0: Hello, and welcome back to this edition of the John G. Moore podcast. We will talk to our guest in a moment, someone that I have a very important question for related to politics. But first, we have to thank our sponsors. First, AB Media, that's A-B-B-I-Media.com. They host my website, where you can send me an email, or you can check out some of my books I have available. It is TheCountryWriter.com. Also, thanks to the Genesis Group and to First Eyes, that's spelled I Z. Highway accidents, fires, medical emergencies, when responding to these situations, every second counts, and lives, well, they hang in the balance. Introducing what we call the ultimate crystal ball for first responders the First Eyes drone system. Putting First Eyes on the scene so emergency personnel can respond faster, better informed, saving more lives drones are dispatched instantly and autonomously flying at a mile a minute sending clear live video detecting hazardous gases giving perspective and insight when every second saves lives again first eyes spelled I-Z. i z want to welcome to the microphone Austin Reeve Jackson who is running for the 114th district court in Smith County Texas Hi, Reeve. Welcome.
1: Hey, how are you? Thank Uh, you for uh, letting me talk.
0: uh, Well, you're more than welcome. First, I just want to say this is not a political commercial. I have uh, some legitimate questions, um, and I will disclose I have considered running for political office. I've yet to ever do it. So I put this question to you. Why in this political climate would anybody want to run for office? What say you?
1: I, I think the answer is that, that at some point you look around and, and you ask yourself, what, what other option is there? Um, you know, there's a limit to what you can change from the outside. And sometimes if you want that ship to head in a different direction, you've got to be behind the wheel. And so uh, when, when good people uh, see problems, I think they have an obligation to, to step up and get involved, regardless of, of what the negative consequences may be. Um, Anything in life worth doing is going to have some hurdles and some heartaches, and and you push through those uh, because of of a bigger reason, something larger than yourself.
0: All right, full disclosure, I worked with your mother uh, at one of the major health systems back in the late 90s and all through the 2000s, so I know your mom uh, never worked with your father, but I do know your father, and I've known you since you were... Todd, since you were a young guy, and I've watched you grow up, and you've accomplished a lot. Um, let's talk about your background and why you think you're qualified for this job.
1: Sure. Well, I, I uh, as you said, grew up here in uh, Smith County, listening to you on the radio. Uh, never thought I'd be talking to you like this. Uh, but uh, I went off to law school and uh, came back, started my own business here in Tyler, my own law firm. Went out, became board-certified in criminal trial law, became board-certified in criminal appellate law, Uh, the youngest attorney at the time to to get both of those board certifications. I've handled everything from from capital murder cases on down, and I think that type of experience as well as commitment to the community uh, is important.
0: So when you were coming up and you first ran and we all went down and voted, it was fairly close between you and your opponent. Jared Kent, you got 44%. He got 40%. Fellow named Mitch Adams, 15%. You are now running in the Republican primary runoff election against Jared Kent. Explain how that process works and how you wind up in a runoff. What What are the rules for that?
1: Well, under Texas law, um, in order to win an election, you've got to have 50% plus one. And so, uh, we all obviously came up a, a little short of that. We were actually just a few hundred votes shy of, of winning this thing without a runoff. Um, you know, we, we were in the lead by a thousand votes, but, but just a few short. Uh, and so given that nobody got 50% plus one, uh, their first two, um, first and second place finishers go to, to the runoff. And um, unfortunately, Mitch Adams is out of the race. He, he was a, a great, uh, competent candidate. And I'm, I'm proud that he's endorsed me here in this runoff. And, and to have his support means a great deal to us.
0: Background. Let's talk about your background, and then we'll talk about uh, Mr. Kent's background, only in factual terms. We're not going to go into opinions about his background. (laughs) But um, one thing that struck me that I found actually quite interesting is that uh, you are a member of the Federalist Society. So I want to point out one thing, and then I want to ask a question. Five of the nine Supreme Court justices have been part of the Federalist Society. What is the Federalist Society, and why are you in it?
1: Well, the Federalist Society, uh, at its heart, is really a debate group, and I think that the public misses this a lot. Um, It was founded so that lawyers and and folks involved in the judicial system could have an opportunity to, to hash out the most important legal issues of the day, and so... Uh, I think there's a, an idea sometimes in the public that the Federalist Society speaks with, with one voice and has one opinion, and that's, that's not the case. The object is to get to the truth, and that's exactly why I'm a member. I think that uh, for all its flaws, our legal system is the best in the world, and, and really the, the best you could ever have. The structure we have, um, placing the, the opportunity to seek justice in the hands of citizens in the forms of, of juries and, and elected and appointed judges. Uh, is far greater than any other system that's ever been out there. And I got involved with the Federalist Society because I loved discussing those ideas. I love talking about our Constitution. Um, it's also why I got into criminal law. Uh, most people don't don't realize, but criminal work is is the only legal work that that is really all about the Constitution. And so. Um, that that was a driving force to get me involved in in that organization. And and I admire and appreciate their commitment in the judicial realm to making sure that we do have good judges that get appointed uh, within the federal system.
0: Why do you want to run for this particular position? Why district court judge? Why the 114th?
1: Well, Smith County is my home. And, um, you know, I I think a lot of people who run for office uh, say they, they do so out of a desire to serve. And If you look at at my history, um, I think that that I can back that up. I've been involved with numerous organizations here from the time I I was young all the way through my my, uh, current stage as a a business owner and a parent. Uh, I've worked with groups like Path and Habitat for Humanity, volunteered with the food bank and Meals on Wheels,
0: uh,
1: and this is an extension of that service. And in particular, the 114th District Court is a court that hears predominantly criminal cases. And so I think you need somebody with criminal experience. And these are not shoplifting cases. These are not uh, driving without a license misdemeanor cases. These are felony offenses, things like murder, sexual assault, injury to a child, um, things that that you cannot learn on the job. And so uh, when nobody else with criminal experience stepped up to run initially, uh, I felt an obligation to get in there and help. Um, And I also think I'm uniquely situated because I'm the only candidate in this race with both criminal and civil law experience. And so the other 40 percent of this court's docket, which is civil civil cases, uh, you know, I've, I've been lead counsel in over 100 civil cases right here in Smith County. And so I, I think I'm in a position to bring talents and tools to this court uh, that are needed and that uh, will give me an opportunity to continue uh, my, my uh, goal of service to the community.
0: Jared Kent is your opponent. Uh, I know Mr. Kent, I know his mother and his mom held this position for many, many years. She was the district court judge for the 114th, and so some may argue, well, he could probably learn more from his mom just in in the years that he sat down and talked to her about what's going on. What say you?
1: I I think that uh, elected office in in our country isn't something you get by inheritance, Um, and there's not there, there's no magic, well, I, I stayed in the Holiday Inn Express last night, that, that gives you this information vicariously. I think the way you get the experience and education you need to be on this court is by being in that court. And, um, you know, I've I've committed myself to being here in Smith County, where I've practiced for over a decade now. Um, my, my opponent uh, has been in Dallas his entire career. And uh, public records, if you look on, on, on Smith County judicial records, you'll see that uh, I've handled over a 1,000 cases right here in Smith County, uh, and, and he's handled two or three. And I don't think that that's the type of experience you need in this court, and it's not the type of experience you can get passed down through genetics.
0: All right. This is a topic that always causes uh, a stir, no matter whom you bring it up to. Abortion, where do you stand on it?
1: I'm absolutely 100% pro-life and always have been. Um, it's a a tough issue uh, because um, it's difficult for anybody in those situations to go through the range of emotions um, that that you're you're facing. But at the end of the day, there's only one right answer to that question. And, um, you know, you you mentioned my mother. I've had the opportunity to grow up watching her working within the Catholic health system, which, of course, is very, very committed to pro-life issues. Um, And that's something that that I got growing up and something that, that I've remained committed to uh, you know, I, I was one of the, the few people uh, from here, here in East Texas that traveled down to Austin several years ago uh, when Wendy Davis gave her, her famous pink tennis shoes uh, speech on the, the floor of the House and was down there supporting uh, pro-life uh, legislators and, and pro-life groups against uh, the expansion of abortion in Texas. And so this isn't something I've just talked about. It's something that I've, I've worked on and, and given volunteer hours to.
0: Give us an idea of a typical case in the 114th District Court. What, what's an average case, or is there one?
1: Uh, there, there is. So, the majority of the, the cases that the 114th District Court hears are, are criminal cases. About 65% of the docket is criminal. Of that, the majority of criminal cases are going to be state jail felonies. And now most of your state jail felonies are, are drug offenses things like possession of cocaine, possession of small amounts of methamphetamine. Um, That's the majority of of the type of cases that court sees. Why is that important? Because we know for a fact that those are the people uh, that we can save. That's the crime we can cut if you have the experience to identify who can be rehabilitated and who's not serious about taking a second chance. There are, unfortunately, people that need to be locked up for life, and that's the way it goes. But there's also a group within the community that we can save and that there are programs, other counties, other conservative counties, have adopted that do things like reduce the crime rate that get people off of drugs that get them rehabilitated get them employed and you walk away from a case where somebody who came to see you on on their absolute worst day is leaving a better parent a better citizen and a productive member of the community and that's that's a win for everybody
0: all right so this one is this question is on behalf of the libertarians who may be watching or listening this to this you um we talked about you being a member of the Federalist Society. It's not just conservatives. A lot of libertarians are in the Federalist Society. Uh, first of all, tell us what your definition is of a libertarian, and then I want you mentioned drugs, so we'll go down that path. A lot of people, especially libertarians, would argue that drugs have won the war on drugs. So talk about libertarians and and kind of your stance on the— the whole drug issue since you brought it up.
1: So when I think of of a libertarian, I I think of uh, limited government, obviously. Um, And I think of people that that have that as sort of their their primary motivating factor. Um, And I can certainly respect that. Anybody that has worked in the court system, as long as I have against the government, uh, certainly understands the the risks inherent in the government having too much power and too much authority. And so I I have some libertarian sympathies in that regard. As far as drugs, though, go, I I think that's a separate issue because drugs are never an individual choice. When you make the decision to use some of these narcotic substances, um, you are making a decision to affect your children, your family and the lives of those around you. And you don't have to look very far to see that being played out in our community right now. Um, You could argue all day that that our drug policy needs to be changed and you you could make some good points on on that uh, issue but ultimately when it comes down to legalization i'm opposed to it because i've just seen it affect seen drugs affect too many families um and and too many people to to get behind it i don't think there's any such thing as as a safe drug um but i i do think there are areas where we can address better address the way we do drug enforcement and that's where we talk about things like rehabilitation for misdemeanor drug offenders people uh, college students that uh you know get caught with marijuana their life shouldn't be over. Uh, there should be consequences, but we've got to provide a pathway to productivity for these people. Uh, because if you tell them that at age 18 you make one bad decision and your life is over, uh, you're not giving them the motivation to go out and be the type of citizen we want them to be ultimately.
0: Who all have you provided advice to as an attorney? And I know you have a c- attorney client privilege, <laughs> but I'm sure there are some people who have reached out to you because of your certifications. Um, talk about why I mean if people are going to hire you that's maybe an indication of why the public should hire you who have you worked for and what did you do for them
1: so uh, my favorite client and my most common client is just your average citizen Um, and a whole lot of people come to me as I alluded to earlier on on the worst day of their life Um, and I always like to tell the people people this story when they ask about representing criminal defendants and I tell them about an older gentleman and his wife who came to see me Uh, and he'd been arrested for DWI. And it was the first time he'd been been caught, but he'd had an alcohol problem for quite some time. He was in his late 40s, but he looked like he was in his late 60s. Uh, He had lived a a very hard life because of alcohol. Well, we got him into a a rehabilitation program. It was a two-year program where he was committed uh, to it. I was committed to participating uh, in it with him. And at the end of that two-year program, not only did he move on from his criminal case, but he had completed hundreds of hours worth of Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and alcohol counseling. And that was almost 11 years ago. And to this day on the anniversary of his graduation from rehab, I get a letter from him thanking me for helping him out. And that is that is the kind of case I love. And that's the kind of client I love where uh, I don't want repeat business. You know, I've, I've taken somebody and, and, and been a light for them in a dark moment. Um, At the same time, I've also uh, had the opportunity to represent another group that I'm very, very fond of representing, and that's our veterans. Um, My dad and my grandfather, who were both Air Force veterans, uh, along with another Army veteran attorney here in Tyler, um, this group of us started the Smith County chapter of Texas Lawyers for Texas Veterans, and I'm very, very proud of that because that's an organization that provides free legal services. Uh, to veterans in and around Smith County. And I have given hundreds of hours of representation to our veterans uh, through that program and then through uh, another uh, veterans court program uh, that I think we need here in Smith County that that other areas in the state have where I've had the pleasure of representing veterans returning from combat who are suffering from uh, PTSD and other issues. And we're getting them the counseling they need and getting them back on the right path. And to be able to do that for folks who have given so much for me and for our community, Again, I, I, I love working with them, and I'm so proud to have done so.
0: Our guest on the John G. Moore podcast is Austin Reeve Jackson. He is a Republican candidate for district judge for the 114th district court. Um, without just coming right out and asking you how much money you make every year, what does this position pay?
1: So um, this position, in, in all honesty, would be a pay cut for me. But I think that's appropriate. Um, I, I don't think anybody should be getting rich, rich off the taxpayer. Um, this job, the salary for a district judge, is set by the legislature at $140,000 a year, roughly. Um, our county is one of several counties that actually supplements that pay with an additional $10,000 payment. And one of the things that I've, I've told voters from the beginning is that I don't think that's right. Uh, I think the base minimum pay is more than sufficient. And so I've committed to day one cutting my own salary by $10,000. And I will never take more than the minimum salary set by the legislature. I think it's fair. I think it's more than adequate, particularly here in Smith County with our wonderful cost of living. Um, and it's it's not something that, that you should do to, to get rich. And it's not something you should do forever. And so I've made that commitment as far as salary goes.
0: So back to my original question, why would anyone want to run for public office? I mean, two reasons. The political climate is the most divided. I'm an older guy, right? I have watched the political climate in this country disintegrate into ashes, into rubble. And so to want to walk into that, number one, I think is crazy, just being honest with you especially when you're in a position where you're deciding whether people go to prison or not. Number two, you're taking a pay cut. So again, I pose the question, why, other than you feel called, why would you want to do this?
1: Well, you gave me two reasons not to do it, and I'm going to give you two reasons that I, I felt I had to do it. And, and those reasons are Mary Ellen and Allison, uh, my five-year-old daughter and my three-year-old daughter. You're exactly right. This country isn't what, what it has been in the past, and our judicial system isn't what it has been in the past. And the only way to ensure that our children, my children, have a better future is to get in there and work to change it. And I would much rather suffer the slings and arrows right now than leave it for my children to take that on their shoulders. If I can make a difference today for them, I couldn't live with myself sitting at home on the couch complaining. Um, And so... you you raise some valid points and there are certainly a long list of reasons not not to get involved and and in all honesty i'd be lying if i told you that there hadn't been moments throughout this campaign where i thought man i can't do it anymore i'm done i'm not gonna gonna put my family through this i'm not gonna put myself through this but at the end of the day when i go home and i see those two little girls i know there is no other choice Um, it's it's a fight that has to be fought and i can either man up and fight it for them or I can leave it for them to fight. And only one of those is a, is a viable option.
0: So you're running against Jared Kent. Mitch Adams is no longer in the race. It Again, it was pretty close. You had 44%, Mr. Kent had 40%, and Mitch Adams had 15%. No way to know, or maybe there is a way to know. Maybe you've done some some polling and you already know the 15% that Mitch had, what direction that's going to go. Um, what are your predictions on the on the primary runoff?
1: Well, I, I can tell you that um, we have already had a great response from many of, of Mitch's 15% uh, that they've come over. As I said, he has endorsed us and many of his uh, supporters are, are getting behind us because uh, Mitch had something that, that Jared didn't have and that's experience. And I think that When you look at what was important to the voters, and and we have talked to thousands and thousands of voters throughout this campaign, they always come back to that experience issue. They want somebody who has uh, handled criminal cases, who has done capital murders, who has civil experience, and who has been here um, and and built a home here. Um, And that's, uh, I I think if those are their their motivating issues for voters, then the outcome of this uh, ought to be that that we win. Um, You know, in March the percentages look closer than the votes actually were. Uh, we won in March by over 1,000 votes, and that's a significant number in an election where the runoff could be a, a total of ten to 12,000. Um, and so we like our position. We uh, have been overwhelmed with the support we got going into the primary and that we have gained since that time period, and we're excited about how this is going to come out.
0: The Constitution, living, breathing document, or does it mean what it says?
1: It means what it says. I I am very big on textualism and originalism. Uh, I think the minute you get into interpretation, interpretations change with the times, and the Constitution can't. Uh, Not simply because it's written down and and recorded, but because of what it actually codifies. And those are, as Thomas Jefferson said, the rights given to us by the laws of nature and of nature's God. The government gave us no rights. The Constitution doesn't give us rights. The Constitution simply recognizes the rights that our creator has given us inherently. And so to say that that can change is to say that that what what God has given us has somehow changed uh, because our perspective has changed or society has changed. And and that's simply not the case. Uh, The right to life, liberty, and happiness has, has been with us from the beginning. And it'll be there regardless of what the government does.
0: Twitter, Facebook, Google, they're deciding what they like and what they don't like. And uh, in my opinion, they are censoring what they don't like. Thoughts?
1: Well, I got to preface this with, with I'm not a big social media person. And that has been probably my least favorite thing about this campaign is having to to be active on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I'm just not a social media person. Um, But I think at the end of the day, Those are private companies and the risk you run when you rely on on private companies to communicate is that they could be open today and close tomorrow and that they could impose regulations that you don't like. Um, I I think that uh, we have to be careful whether we're talking about social media or your telephone company or a tech company like Google. We are giving not only a lot of information to these companies, but we're giving a lot of control to them of our daily lives and, and the ways in which we communicate with each other. And I think that's a very dangerous path to go down. I love books. I love paper books. I don't I don't digital books. I don't do a Kindle. I like having that in my hands because I know that, that written word isn't gonna change. It's there forever. Uh, I like communicating with handwritten letters better than email. I, uh, I like sitting down face to face with people. And I think that's at the end of the day, the best way to ensure that the Republic survives is by having those kinds of conversations and having those types of tangible documents Tech companies are always going to follow what, what makes them money, and we need to recognize that going in. Use them while you can. Use them to the extent that you're comfortable with, uh, but, but don't start relying on them as a primary means of communication because they're going to do exactly what they're doing. They're going to select and censor the message that you're hearing.
0: Austin Reeve Jackson is our guest on the John G. Moore podcast. He is a Republican running for district court judge for the 114th in Smith County, Texas, Reeve, the Second Amendment, what does it mean?
1: Uh, It means exactly what it says, that um, a well-regulated militia is necessary to ensuring good government. Why is it necessary? Because governments inherently turn bad when they get too powerful. Um, People not only have the right to self-defense, but in the Second Amendment, we have the right to uh, defend ourselves against the government specifically. And that's the basis of the Second Amendment. I love the fact that in the Texas Constitution, we actually have a separate provision that allows not only for possession of firearms as an inalienable right against the government, but it provides specifically for a self-defense right. Uh, And so the the Texas Constitution's um, gun provision is actually stronger than the federal Constitution's. Uh, But you can't take away guns. When you look throughout history, every single time the government has removed guns from the population, the population had not fared too well.
0: So do you take it to mean that the only way that uh, citizens should have guns is if they're part of a well-regulated militia? Or do you take it to mean that we have a right to whatever we want as far as firearms?
1: It's an inherent individual right to bear firearms. Um, And that's, uh, that's something the government, again, the government can't take that away just like they can't take away your right to life. Um, because we inherently have the right not only to defend ourselves, but more importantly, to decide what type of government we're willing to live under. And if the government has all of the power and all of the ability uh, to to uh, come in and take your children, to come in and dictate the way in which you're living, and, and there's no way for you to, to make a response to that other than to, to throw a punch against an armed uh, government official, uh, that's not going to be very effective.
0: What about the Fourth Amendment? Thoughts?
1: Uh, Fourth Amendment. We unfortunately have seen an erosion of, of the Fourth Amendment and others uh, throughout our history. The Fourth Amendment's critically important. You know, we, we got it as a result of British soldiers kicking in doors and, and hauling people out into the streets and rifling through their stuff. Um, the right to be secure from unreasonable searches is paramount. Uh, you know, people think about oh well, some drug dealer. You know, we ought to be able to search their car, and 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 that's a whole different scenario than what the Fourth Amendment's really talking about. The Fourth Amendment is talking about uh, the government coming in, originally the British coming in and, and finding these colonists who were writing documents against the British government, who were holding uh, meetings to figure out how they were going to overthrow the British government. And, and the British soldiers were coming in and, and kicking in the door, taking all this, uh, these materials, seizing these people, searching their belongings. That's what the Fourth Amendment gets at. And we tend to forget that, because in our, our modern society, it does tend to be uh, just a, a car stop issue, Um, but as soon as you let the fourth amendment erode in any one area, it can erode in all areas. And that's something that potentially hurts every single citizen. If the government gets too strong.
0: The 10th amendment, did the civil, the outcome of the civil war change the meaning of the 10th amendment, or do you believe it means what it says?
1: I believe it means what it says. Uh, when I say that, that I'm an originalist, I, I mean it. Um, I think that, that the text is clear uh, of the Constitution. Anytime you start saying that the role of a judge is to interpret this law or, or that constitutional provision, then what you're really saying is that one person has the authority to make up the rules as they go. And that that's no way for society to function. Uh, but more importantly, that's no way to ensure the continuation of individual liberty and fundamental rights.
0: I will offer the uh, same opportunity to Jared Kent to be on this podcast if he so chooses to. But I want to know, factually, what, what are some interesting points about your opponent?
1: Um, well, interesting is an, is an interesting word. But, uh, uh, you know, um, he, um, he's got two kids, and my understanding is that, that he's a great father. Um, his wife certainly speaks very highly of him, which is, which is always nice. Uh, and, you know, my, my interaction with him has been very limited because, uh, again, he hadn't, he hadn't really been here. Uh, but my interaction with him has been positive. I think he's a nice guy. I just don't, I don't think he has the experience and the qualifications yet to do this job.
0: What do you want to do after this job? Is this job a stepping stone for you? What are your, what are your bigger goals? Where do you want to go when you grow up?
1: <laughs> my, my bigger goal is to get back to private practice. I think that there are some things I can accomplish, some things that need to be done, uh, in a short amount of time, but, but I don't believe that anybody holds elective office for life. Uh, I, I think that, that whether you're talking about a district judge or a congressman or your local JP, uh, that, that it's good to have turnover. It's good to have new people and new ideas. And so um, what's next? I don't know. Um, I'm putting one foot in front of the other right now and, and uh, working on the challenge that's currently before me.
0: Also, full disclosure, I served as senior policy advisor for state representative Matt Schaefer. And you did work for Representative Schaefer while I was working for him in Austin. So talk about what you did for Representative Schaefer and why it was important.
1: Well, um, number one, I, I, I hate not to mention that, that um, I'm very, very proud to have Representative Schaefer's endorsement in this race. Uh, and, and a big part of that is because of the work I did. Um, things like the Second Amendment, uh, when there were firearms issues, uh, he came to me and said, hey, can you help on this particular topic? Uh, and in one instance, we, we drafted a memorandum. I did some research for him and some writing that uh, created a document that, that helped um, convince Governor Abbott not to institute some of these red flag laws that, that he was looking at doing that were blatantly unconstitutional. Um, I've also had the opportunity to, to offer input on criminal justice issues. And I, again, that comes back to the idea that you've got to be involved if you want to make a difference. You cannot just sit, sit at home and complain. And so I've looked for those opportunities from the beginning to, to get involved, not just on, on broad issues, but on, on local issues and with local people. And I'm very proud of the fact that uh, Representative Schaefer gave me those opportunities and sought out my advice when, when he thought it would be beneficial.
0: Representative Schaefer has endorsed you. Your former, one of your former opponents, Mitch Adams, the gentleman who finished third place in the primary for 114th district court judge, has endorsed you. You've also been endorsed by Grassroots America, uh, We the People. Why is Grassroots America re- relevant? Explain what Grassroots America is and why that endorsement matters to you.
1: So it, it matters because that is a grassroots organization that is committed to preserving constitutional principles and individual liberty. And so um, to have them stand up and say that, that this is the type of judge we need, this is the type of judge who will ensure that our rights are protected, who will follow the Constitution, who will not legislate from the bench, uh, to have that seal of approval means, means the world to me. Um, it's also, frankly, important because they are a, a large organization that's a, a big factor in local elections. And um, to, to have them come out and, and say, we're behind you, uh, was a great groundswell of support when, when this campaign was getting off the ground.
0: You mentioned going back to private practice. How, how many terms do you want to serve if you're elected?
1: You know, I haven't thought about it in terms of a specific number, Um, but as I said, my goal is to get in there, get to work, and then get out and let somebody else take over. Um, I think part of it uh, depends on how quickly I can get things accomplished, but uh, if you look at at my resume, you know that uh, I don't like to dial. I don't like to sit and twiddle my thumbs. Um, I like to get to work, and so uh, I've got a short timeline in in mind to to get in there and, and get these things accomplished.
0: So term limits, your form?
1: Uh, I think term limits should be decided by the voters. Um, I think that that uh, elected officials should know after they've served uh, their time, it's time to get out and go home, and if not, that voters ought to elect somebody else. Um, I don't know that I, I uh, favor a, a constitutional amendment for term limits. Those kind of things, because at the end of the day, I think that local voters should be uh, are in the best position to choose who they want. Um, but elected officials have to have the humility to say, hey, even if you want to send me back, it's time for me to go. I mean, I, I, I think that the most admirable and, and uh, underrated act ever uh, engaged in by any politician in the history of the world is probably George Washington stepping down after that second term. I mean, you've got to keep in mind the entire country at that time was begging him to stay. Uh, everyone wanted him, um, and, and he would have done, I don't doubt, a, a great job in a third term as president. But to step down from all that power, from all that ego stroking and say, no, this isn't what's good for the country, that sets the, uh, the, the mold for what American elected officials ought to follow. And I think it's disappointing when uh, they don't. Um, I, I think there ought to be more of that.
0: Yeah, but I think we have to agree that left to their own devices, most politicians aren't going to support term limits. I mean, look how long it took to get a constitutional amendment. To limit the president to two. So uh, I think it's easy to say, you know, let's leave it to the voters, but ultimately how do you get that up even on the ballot? There's just a lot of people that uh, make a career out of being a politician.
1: So, well, and there there we go again with a lot of people um, who, who complain about it, uh, but if, if we have better voter turnout, I think you could see a change. I mean, it's incredible to, to think, look at particularly in your local races, your school board, your city council, I mean, those races are often decided by hundreds of votes, and the outcome is split by sometimes as little as five or ten votes. Um, And so if people take the initiative and get out and vote, I don't think they realize the power that they have um, and and the changes they could make.
0: All right, so tell us why we should all get out and vote for you. What are you going to do for us if we hire you?
1: Well, I I think uh, number one is the experience issue. Um, You know, I, I tell people that yeah, the hope is that, that you and your loved ones are never the, the victim of a crime. But if you are, can you imagine uh, going in there with a, with a child, a five-, six-, seven-year-old child who's been sexually assaulted and appearing in front of a judge that's never handled a speeding ticket, that's, that has no idea what goes on in a, in a sexual assault nurse exam, um, who's never talked with law enforcement about these issues? Can you imagine some of the uh, larger conspiracy cases we're having now in Smith County, where, whether it's drugs or identity theft, Um, these gas station skimmers, um, trying to to explain to a judge who's never heard any of the language, who's completely unfamiliar with the vocabulary of those cases, um, how those cases operate. Imagine being an officer who needs a a warrant signed at 2 a.m. and you knock on the judge's door and his first response is, well, I got to look that up. I don't know. I've never seen this before. Uh, time is of the essence in these criminal cases and it's critical that you have somebody that has the knowledge at the tip of their tongue ready to go. Um, And so I I think experience matters. I also think that um, seeing somebody that's had service to the community matters. Service to our veterans, service to our lower income uh, community, service to nonprofits and community support organizations here. I think all of that matters because it shows the heart of somebody, the heart of a candidate. And if you look at where my heart has been, um, I, I think those values speak for themselves. And if those values are your values, then... Uh, I look forward to, to thanking you for your vote on July 14th.
0: Bastille Day.
1: It is, yes.
0: It is. July. Do you think there's a little bit of irony that uh, July 14th marks the date the French stormed the Bastille?
1: Well, I, I, I like it um, because, you know, what we're trying to do, uh, as you mentioned, um, we're running against somebody whose family has, has sort of run the courthouse uh, for a long time. And, and it's uh, time for some fresh blood. And that's what those uh, French folks recognized. You know, when uh, when the three estates came together and the peasants left um, and said, well, no, we're, we're not gonna put up with this anymore. People forget that there were members of the clergy and members of the nobility, those other two estates that went with the peasants. And they they said, you're absolutely right. We recognize it's time for a change. And uh, it was that group that, that stormed um, the Bastille uh, fortress and, and got the gunpowder. Um, and they did it working together to bring about a change, to overthrow the old ways. People who had spent too much, people who were, were too intractable, who refused to uh, recognize new ideas and, and new thought, uh, more productive thought. Um, and so I, I do, I like the fact that it's on this field day. I also like the fact that, that uh, the French uh, uh, were spinning themselves into debt, supporting our revolution, and then our revolution turned around and inspired one there. I've always thought that was fantastic.
0: A little bit of irony there yeah and I and I will say this uh, podcasts are just like broadcast television. The fair the fairness doctrine no longer applies. I'm not required to have anybody on a podcast but in fairness, I will uh, offer uh, Jared Kent if he would like to come on my next podcast or the one after that and uh, and state his piece about why we should vote for him. I will offer that that same opportunity to him. Uh, Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you think we should talk about regarding you or the race or anything else?
1: No, I I think we we, uh, covered a lot of ground. I think we uh, talked about how experience is important, how credentials are important, how service to the community is important. Uh, If we didn't talk about one thing, it might be why this particular race matters at this moment. Um, and as you know, uh, having been here in Smith County for a long time, in the past, uh, we've had elected officials who've stayed in that courthouse for years and years and years and years, Um, and this is an opportunity to put somebody in there who's pledging to cut their salary, who is pledging to leave office in a timely manner uh, and hand that courthouse back over to the citizens. For too long, the group that has controlled that courthouse has believed the courthouse belongs to them, and it doesn't. Uh, just because a judge's name is on the door doesn't mean he owns that room. The taxpayers own that room. The citizens of this community own that room. One of the first things I'm going to do when I take office is, is, number one, not have my name on the door. But number two, if you walk into that courtroom, it's covered in pictures, pictures of former judges. Those pictures are coming down, and my picture's never going to hang on that wall. Because, again, that building belongs to the people, and I'm going to give it back to the people.
0: All right. July 14th, 2020. We will see what happens. And uh, Austin Reeve Jackson, Republican for District Judge, he is running for the 114th District Court position. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. May the best man win, as they say. And thanks for being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
0: And again, we want to thank our sponsors, Abby Media, A-B-B-I-Media.com. They take care of my website, which is thecountrywriter.com. You can reach me through email there. And here's my shameless book plug. You can also buy either of my books, Rite of Passage, A Southerner's View of Then and Now, Volume 1 or 2. And uh, also thanks to our good friends at the Genesis Group and First Eyes. And that last one is spelled I-Z. You've been listening to the John G. Moore podcast. We will talk to you next week. Have a great rest of your day. God bless.